back, everybody, to Edge of the Rabbit Hole. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. With me, as always, my co-hostess, Victoria Monday. And down in the chat room, Alina, moderating the chat. We have a fantastic show coming up for you tonight. Katie Grabowski, the Colorado MUFON State Director, is with us this evening to talk about high strangers on a ranch in Colorado. So kind of following up from our theme uh, the last couple of weeks here, which is absolutely fantastic. I met Katie at the Laughlin UFO Mega Conference, and she had a fantastic presentation. We're going to be covering a lot of that material this evening. And so, Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Victoria and Mike. I'm glad to be here. Oh, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> I, have, I have questions. <laughs> Victoria always has a lot of questions. And, uh, I like that. Yeah, Kate, I'm a prepared person. It's great. <laughs> absolutely. And Katie, it was, it was really an honor to meet you at the uh, Laughlin UFO Mega Conference. Prior to arriving there, uh, Jeremy Ray had been speaking very highly of you. And so uh, when I met you, it was like, oh, this is this is the woman Jeremy <laughs> was, was really talking about. And um, yeah, and then got to watch your presentation. It was like, wow, this this is absolutely fascinating material. And so I guess, you know, just real briefly, kind of give us a, a little bit of your background. And then I want to learn more about this amazing ranch that has all of this strange activity going on. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing that was fantastic about that conference, too, I just want to say really quick, I mean, you know, with everybody there from the different locations, James Keenan and Trey Hudson, and yes. we were just learning the whole weekend. So, oh, my gosh, it was just fantastic. Um, but a little bit about me, um, you know, I um, have my degree in graphic design, got married fairly young, had children. Um, but um, when I was a young girl, I had a lot of unusual, very unusual things happen to me when I visited this ranch. And I'll get into that here in a little bit. Um, so after my kids got older, I started kind of questioning what all that stuff was that was happening. And I started out since there was a lot of paranormal activity in that, too. I got really interested in the ghost hunters and I did some um, Stanley Hotel ghost hunts in the, um, the, the St. Augustine Lighthouse in Florida. And that kind of just started opening up all these questions about what happened on that ranch. So I joined MUFON in 2012. I came in right as a field investigator. I actually heard about MUFON in a documentary I was watching. And I thought, well, maybe I can join and do some cool graphic design works of craft and alien or whatever. But it's just <laughs> really opened up this um, Pandora's box or this deep rabbit hole because there were so many different types of phenomenon out there on the ranch. And honestly, um, when I joined MUFON in 2012, I didn't know, and my sister didn't know that this ranch was ever reported. We never knew the phenomenon was reported. We thought it was isolated just on the, the property. Um, so, and we were warned and told never to talk about it. It was like this big weighted heavy secret that we were kept, that we kept, you know? So it wasn't until 2013 that I came across a book and all I knew about it, because at the time the Skinwalker Ranch, they didn't have their TV show. It wasn't a popular thing at the time. All right. I knew it was about a ranch in Utah, you know? And so I bought the book, not really knowing anything about it, hopefully, hoping there'd be some parallels. And I get to the chapter, Other Hotspots, and I start reading about this ranch in Colorado. And I knew immediately, that's it. Um, and in that book, George Knapp and Colm Kellyer, PhD, explain that um, Dr. R. Leo Sprinkle, PhD, and John Durr, PhD, and Peter Van Arsdale were the three he's also PhD, were the three initial investigators out there on that property. And that was the first time I actually learned that anybody else knew about it. It was like the coolest validation. I mean, I was like in shock for two hours just sitting on my like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's real. Cause you, you know, when, especially when you're young, I was nine to 12 years old when all this stuff happened and you question your, you question, okay, did I, I mean, memory is a funny thing. So, but I knew that my si my sister, who's six years older than I, she experienced some things. Um, all the members of the family out there experienced some things. So I just want your listeners to understand that um, we didn't live there full time. It's kind of a, a, a convoluted story, but my mother and father were divorced at the time. My mother was working at United Airlines in the tech center and she befriended a man who was separated and divorcing his wife. And so those two were together she had another love interest and they had three sons. 
So long story short, they wow. wanted two younger sons to go to a large school district. And for those Coloradans that are listening or whatever, we're in the Cherry Creek School District, was which was one of the larger, better districts in the state. And so the two younger boys went to the Cherry Creek School and lived with us during the week. And then on the weekends, we'd commute back and forth to the ranch to bring them back to their mom. Sometimes we'd hang out there. So we I only had like a handful of times out there. One particular strange night we'll talk about in a little while but it wasn't like I was there full time. But what would happen was they'd come back to our house on Sunday night. Um, I would hear all about everything that was happening. It was like, hush, hush, don't tell anybody about it. The adults would talk about it in secret and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just been incredible uncovering, you know, almost 10 years now, almost a decade of just peeling back the onion layers of everything that's been going on. And now finally, I'm kind of getting to a pretty sound uh, hypothesis or conclusion to what I think was going on out there. So I'm, I'm, I'm anxious Ooh. to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And we certainly will. So, but, but you mentioned the book and you mentioned Skinwalker Ranch. Now, is there a distinct connection between Skinwalker and this ranch in Colorado? Well, I mean, the connection is you can just go down the checklist of parallels that are so similar between the two. I mean, the humming sounds, the cattle mutilations, the paranormal activity, the crypto creature, the, the, the strange military craft and, you know, the cover up with that. And the helicopters is a fascinating um, subject. And I think that's why it's taken me almost a decade to actually kind of research this because there's so many lanes. Like when I started out, I wasn't that interested in cattle mutilations. And I still believe that a lot of those have um, logical earthly explanations um, and again, I'm not the cattle mutil mutilation expert, Chuck Zukowski, Debbie Ziegelmeyer's brother, and um, Chuck Zukowski and Christopher O'Brien, who's written several great books, actually, a lot um, to do with Colorado and the San Luis Valley on the cattle mutilation phenomenon. But what happened with that, um, one of the um, families that kind of pioneered the town in Elbert County. So all this happened in Elbert County. And what's fascinating about this phenomenon too out in Elbert County is the height of it came between 1975 and 1978. So there was this three year window of where the activity was just like super high, high mutilation time. There was almost a mutilation a day. And we're talking oh, horse, oh, wow. horse, sheep and cattle. I mean, it was in the paper all this stuff, which I didn't know at the time. I got to find that out later and I'll tell you about that. But so the, these, this family that's that basically pioneered this town, they've been there a long time. I connected with her via Facebook and she now lives in Wyoming. So I got to drive out there and interview her, but she had this incredible story. And I think I have the photos. I, I sent them to you if you want to pop them up because they're her actual yeah. photos. Okay, um, which photos are we there, going to look at here calf. first? There, there's one of a calf. And you can tell okay, the, the attack. Yeah, here we go. So this is <laughs> when what they, the heck? Yeah, so this happened in 19. Well, let me let me zoom out a little bit here. Let's go with that okay, one first. Thank you. <laughs> right. So this okay. happened in 1978. Um, her, her and her husband. She's young. She got out of high school. She married. They moved to Rama, which is just on the border of Elbert County, but it's very rural, right? And her husband was out there checking um, the cows for calves. And he came across that first one, that first picture you showed. And at the time that that cavity wasn't there, there were four just cuts in a perfect square. And the cuts were bleeding. The calf was already dead and the hair was removed. The top of the fur was removed, but the skin was still there. Um, but the calf was dead. So her husband gets on the horse, rides back to the house and gets Sheila. And they come back in the pickup truck. The whole trip took maybe 20 minutes. By the time they got back to that calf, they had been back, she said, and they that is what was left of the calf. They had drained the blood, they removed the organs, and the incision was cauterized. They lived two miles off the county road, so there was no dust trails, no helicopter sounds, completely silent, no blood around the calf. I mean, it's very, very mysterious. So I think some of those mutilations have what we call a high strangeness aspect to them that I'm like, how do you solve? She said it. Felt yeah, that's like a good point. There is there is no blood around the calf there. No. And the other photo is one. So she found these pictures after we had talked and after I mm -hmm. interviewed her. And she's like, the other picture she sent me is um, a calf that they had that had a coyote kill. And you this see is, when a coyote yeah. jumps on a calf's back. Sorry for the graphic nature of the photo. But a right. coyote will jump on the hind and just chew it up. 
So this other situation with the four incisions, I had never heard that before. It was like he came upon them in action. There was no place for anybody to hide. There weren't like big trees or bushes. So if they, if her husband caught somebody in the act out there, they had nowhere to hide. You know, there were no vehicles, no trucks, no. So it's very mysterious. Um, yeah. So I was like, whoa. So that made me take kind of a pause yeah. and second look at that whole mutilation phenomenon, you know. So all that mutilation came from that hole, just that tiny little hole there? Yeah. All the, oh, they removed that organ in there, and then but, yeah, it was just like a little bit of blood just laying in the pocket there. But who removes organs? I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, so it's, it's basically like a surgical cut. Yeah. yeah. Right. Wow. It was very unusual. Um, and then, you know, um, also got to meet and talk with another family via Facebook. There was a sheriff that I learned that was really involved at the time during all this. Uh, his name was Bill Waugh. Bill had passed away. He was actually, you know, Linda Moulton Howe's movie, A Strange Harvest? Okay. He was actually in there. It was George Arnell and Bill Waugh were very active at the time. So he was the sheriff in this town in Elbert County. And he had passed away, but I connected with his, um, one of his sons on Facebook and his widow, and they live out in Florida. So we flew to Florida to interview them. And I had a couple hours of interview with them. And again, they had, um, you know, mutilations almost daily. People had loaded shotguns by the door. There were rewards out in the town. So people were actively looking for perpetrators. In the, at that time, they thought maybe they were like cults or something doing this. But people were actively looking. I mean, it, it was the way they described it. It was eerie. Um, ears would be missing. Eyes cauterized. It was just insane and there was huge rewards so people were trying to catch these people and so that's it's sort of like well maybe i need to take a look at this cattle mutilation you can't really investigate what happened to me personally um on the ranch without looking at the whole mutilation phenomenon because that was that's what was reported most of the time and one thing jean did um bill's widow um she had kept a, a folder of all the newspaper articles from back in the day she just plopped them out on the table oh, great. I'm like, oh my goodness, there was so much information there. And she's like, go ahead and take it and copy it and mail it back to me, which I did. I mean, how cool is that? That's and, great. Yeah, and not only were there <laughs> articles about the cow mutilation, but the menacing helicopters, there were helicopters like chasing young girls. Like, what's up with that? Um, and several menacing helicopters. There's a great book and research that was done called Choppers and the Choppers. And they go through all sorts of these cases of these menacing copters. And they are kind of in connection with the, the mutilation. So that's this whole mystery. Like, what the heck's going on there? And then to Were hear, these military helicopters? Most, most of them were unmarked. And okay. some of them were black. Some of them were dark green. Some, you know. Um, but there's also reports, you know, Bill Wall um, even said that on their property, they would see these big orange glowing lights behind the hill. It's a little rolling hills out there. It's not mountainous. It's, it's rolling hills, and there's some ponderosa pines, so there's some forested areas. And then there's flatland as well for cattle. So um, I actually have a picture, actually, I, I think I gave you of the area, so people can have an idea of the terrain out there. Okay, right. Yeah. So that's this photo, right? That's that one, yeah. That's All right, there we go. Yep, that's kind of what it looks like there. So you could see the rolling hills, and you could see how... It's beautiful. It, yeah, it's beautiful out there. You'd see how maybe there'd be like a big orange glowing light behind that little hill there, and they wouldn't hear any helicopter sound or anything, and these things would just come off the property and, and zoom off. Um, and then uh, in conjunction with that, they would oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes find these mutilated animals. So, you know, they kind of go hand in hand, these strange copter sightings and... Um, there's a report of Bill Waugh, so him and George Arnell, they had planes and they would be flying around actively looking. And they actually said they encountered, but they didn't know what it was, a UFO, I get, you know, a UFO. It wasn't a helicopter, it wasn't a plane. They saw, like, people or entities in the cockpit and it sped off. Um, the sheriff actually has a lot of really interesting stories that he he had conveyed and it's like wow you know if, if he's conveying this so it's been a decade of you know these witnesses coming forward and um i actually had my, my sister help me compile we pulled all the names from all the articles and we came up with 250 different names 
Oh, wow. Um, and so it's quite a challenge to try and reconnect with these folks. And a plea, anybody who's listening to this podcast or this show, if you had or know anybody that had experiences out there in Elbert County during the mid to late 70s, please reach out and contact me. I was lucky enough and had a, a few people do that from the coast to coast and have learned some oh, more. Good. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's just unfolding. Um, and I'm just constantly always learning more and more people are coming forward with experiences. So it's yeah. pretty So if you've had an experience, absolutely contact Katie. Yeah. Uh, real quick, we have a, uh, a British two-pound super chat from Linz Haynes. You always have the most fascinating guests. So Aww. thank you very much, Linz. Absolutely appreciate that. Good to see you. So okay. question real quick. Go ahead, Victoria. Okay. All, you said also... Uh, Horses and sheep were also mutilated? Mm -hmm. Okay, because I never hear about those. Do they take the same organs and body parts of all the different animals, or is it just all willy-nilly out there? Um, I've, I've seen articles that say different things. Sometimes it's an ear, or an eye, a tongue, you know, so it differs. And with the sheep and the horse, there was even articles in there about these mysterious disappearing dogs, and they found a dog mutilated, which is, I oh. never hear about that. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. That's sad. Um, okay. Hmm. But... You know, the mutilations is just one phenomenon. The very first thing that happened out there when they bought the property where they would hear almost like um, like machinery or pumps or these strange humming noises and bangs and sounds, and it sounded like it was coming from underground. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, Victoria's going to go all hollow earth right here. So <laughs> love you, you love the underground stuff and you know yeah yeah and i you know and i don't blame you because there is something to be said for things like underground bases and secret sites and what have you but katie are there some theories and i know victoria has some questions as well there <laughs> some theories as to what these homes and bangs well, and sounds may be well i've tried to we've tried to investigate the geological makeup of the area and caves and from like from the photo you see it doesn't look likely it's not like we don't have mountain cliffs and caves or anything right. there but one one theory i have and it may be a little out there but you know <laughs> hey but back in the 70s so the elbert county isn't too far from colorado springs and if anybody's familiar with colorado springs you know what kind of military bases we have there and mm -hmm. at the time, the property for the Air Force Academy, so we have Air Force Academy, we have NORAD, we have Camp Carson, you know, which is Fort Carson, and um, Peterson, and all sorts of things. And at, you know, so at the time, that property line actually went further up. Now there's some housing develops, de developments there, but I'm wondering <laughs> if there wasn't a connection there. Because there's no doubt that it's, there's, no doubt that NORAD knew what was going on out there, as well as the Air Force Academy. And I actually sent you some documents. If you want to pull those up, I can read a couple yeah. of them. And it kind of will lead or segue into what some of my theories are to what was really going on out there. All right. So these well, are some of the different notes like this? Yeah, they, these were in yeah. Dr. Leo Sprinkle. So after I learned about Dr. Leo Sprinkle, I immediately got in touch with him and wrote him a letter because Dr. Leo Sprinkle, he's a psychologist out of Laramie and a pioneer in the UFO field and has worked with experiencers for decades. And lucky for me, he just lives in uh, Laramie, Wyoming. So I went out there right away because he had all the original documents and things. But go back to that first one and I'll read what first. it is. These were in those documents. It says, Bill Waugh, the undersheriff, wants to talk to someone. He said, I've seen, I've seen ships going into ground, boxes, mutilations being done. Nobody will talk, don't want investigation because of publicity, no stigma, credential, important factor. John would go back. NORAD Colonel said bluntly to forget it, to shut up. Mm -hmm. Air Force um, has directive to handle UFOs and Bigfoot. So there were Sasquatch and Bigfoot sightings out there as well, um, which is really interesting for the area because of course we have them in the Rocky Mountains, like in Bailey, Colorado, but not so much. I mean, this is Elbert County is kind of rolling hills it's not mountainous it doesn't seem like you know it's not very squatchy as they say <laughs> squatchy, <laughs> squatchy. <laughs> but i and i know this is controversial um but i believe that in this particular case those beings those bigfoot creatures were connected to the craft they seem to go hand in hand whenever there were lights flying off properties or ufo sightings these bigfoot creatures were there as well so 
Um, Stan Gordon wrote a book about that. Um, and there's a lot of cases that have similarities to that um, where they see those craft in Sasquatch creatures connected. Not all of them are. I'm not saying they all are, but in this case, it, it seemed that way to me. Um, so the other document kind of leads me to another kind of interesting thing. This one, so Warren Blank, that's his last name that's blanked out, from Camp Carson, visits the ranch, felt something wrong, wouldn't go into the woods. Something took over his mind, made him walk toward the woods, then would release him. He could run back, and this did this to him five times. Now, this is interesting to me because I think about things like MK Ultra. You know, late 60s, yeah. early 70s, we know there was over 100 um, civilian thing. I mean, they were working with mental hospitals and all sorts of different things and experiments and LSD. And I think about these strange disappearing boxes. Now, these boxes that were seen out there, and I witnessed one personally, they would make these strange buzzing noises like bees. And if you got closer to the box, it would turn into like an angry bee sound. And then boom, the box would be gone. But I'm thinking if if they have these sounds like bees are buzzing, maybe they're doing something with frequency sounds. Maybe that calms the cattle. Maybe that's what this um, person from Camp Carson was experiencing, some sort of mind control to make him walk into the forest and then release him and walk back out. So my theory after almost a decade, decade and of course, the more I learn, of course, things ebb and flow and change, but I really feel that there were two things going on up there in Elbert County, actual unknown phenomena and um, military or MK, you know, black secret projects were happening out there. Well, I think it was twofold. And I think that's why it's so hard to investigate and it makes it, it muddies the water so much. And you know, this new show that I just watched, if anybody out there, there's a new show on Showtime called UFO. And episode three, they, they go into that. They talk about MUFON and um, the disinformation and, you know, the military or the government involvement in that and Bigelow and um, Richard Doty and all that. And we had the pleasure of meeting Richard Doty actually in Laughlin. He we was did. There. Yeah. Richard's fantastic. We just had him on uh, this show a couple of weeks ago, too. Right. So, yeah, Richard's a great guy. He yeah. is. And, and, and it was really cool to kind of like corner him in Laughlin and go, OK. I got your attention for a minute and it was cool for, to hear him say, yeah, we were just talking about your presentation. I'm like, great, because I want to know if he knew anything about that activity at the time. And if, because we know that the military in NORAD wasn't knew about it and he was very helpful. I mean, he was the one who told me to, I actually just got this in the mail um, last week from the department of the air force, but he goes, you need to do a FOIA to the mishaps office at Kirkland on the two A7Ds that crashed out there. And look at what I got back. Can you see that? Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty thick. I haven't had time to digest it, but there's some interesting things I'm already learning about those two A7Ds that crashed out there. Um, they said they were on a training mission, but in the report that I got from John Schusler, it said that there were two A7Ds out in Elbert County. This was during the height of all the, the activity. It was at night, and it said they were in pursuit of a UFO. Now, what this says in here is that they were on a training mission and the instructor actually saw other lights that he must mistook for the other a7d and it wasn't in the the trainee instead of turning on his lights he turned them off and so he hit the tail and they both went down and crashed both pilots ejected oh. both of them lived i actually have the article that i found in the paper i sent that to you as well so that's the first thing I found, but now I have the FOIA request. It has the transcription from the um, tower. And what's interesting about that, what I one thing I can share real quick with the readers that I just found, let me put on my reading glasses, little blind. But I thought this was interesting. If it's a training mission and they're flying over civilian homes um, in Elbert County, which they were, there's homes here. I found in this that they had 195 20 millimeter TP ammunition um, so it says, on November 11th, 1975, was involved in a mid-air crash south of the base. The aircraft had 218 rounds of live ammo in the gun system. Wow. So I'm like, why would they have live ammo on a training mission over civilian houses? I think that's really unusual. And, and as you can see here, um, where it gets really into the, um, the, the transcription, look at this, how much is blocked out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but um, so I have a lot of reading here to do, but you know, I'm constantly learning um, new things about what was going on out there um, in Elbert County at the time. And, and you know, it's my belief, it, belief now that it was twofold, you know? Uh, that's, that's absolutely fascinating. Now, Victoria, I know you had some questions earlier. Let you get to those. Okay, which way to start? Okay, the box on the ranch that was humming, mm -hmm. would that tranquilize the cows? And do you, did you find that they were spooked like before, like they knew something was going to go on and then they were tranquilized? Well, um, that in one of my interviews, and actually it was a, a nice woman in Laughlin. I wish I knew her name so I could give her credit because she came up to me and she goes, you know, I have a thought about those boxes because in the, in my presentation, I talk about the gal I interviewed, Sheila in Wyoming. She talked about that. Um, the cattle where the mutilations were occurring seemed to huddle together and they were calm, but okay. cattle on adjoining pastures were like freaked out and scattered. So she came up to me and said, what if those humming sounds or boxes huddled them together and called them somehow or mind controlled the cattle. And I'm like, wow, that's brilliant. Um, I had never thought about that. Or another theory that was brought forward to me is maybe that was some sort of communication device. Because another thing that happened out there, when I went to Dr. Leo Sprinkles to get the file, there was drawings of the ET creatures that were seen out there on the property. Okay. These were unusual beings that I had never seen in popular movies or television Are these shows. these? Um, well, so the one on the left um, is the one that was in Dr. Leo's file from Elbert County, from the ranch, from our, the okay. family ranch. And for the people who can't see the photo, he, um, he's got like a little old, he looks like a little old man, wrinkles on the forehead, wrinkles around the eyes, wrinkles around his mouth, more of a humanistic kind of ish nose, not, not just two holes, um, almond shaped eyes, not huge, but not human eyes. They had these weird tubes, okay? So um, for Colorado MUFON, we had a guest speaker named Sean Bartok, and he had property in Castle Rock in um, the 70s, 1970. And the one on the right is a bean he saw. And the second photo, so that you see how it looks like funny in his neck. Um, right. Those are actually tubes. So the next drawing I sent you, oh. he said they actually spread apart. So the one on the left is Sean Bartok's, and they're 14 miles away, and the one on the right is from Elbert County. They're very similar. I think strangely similar. Similar. I, I morphed the two together. They're. They're. I was like shocked by that. Um, very strange looking. They're very mechanical looking. And the other photo I sent you, one day I was standing at Safeway at the grocery store, and there was Ooh. a issue of Popular Mechanics, and it was talking all about AIs, and they had the photos of what they might look like in the future, and they had these strange tubes, and it kind of clicked in my brain, like, wow, I wonder. Very if similar. If those beings were like AI, which would make sense if you're traveling from far, far away, that you would have to be some sort of intelligence, you know, artificial intelligence to make it this far and, and whatnot. So I, th I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, but the, the one on the left almost looks like the Terminator. Yeah, it does look like the Terminator, <laughs> that particular one. <laughs> it sure does. Um, so on the Elbert County Ranch, they, there was said to be two different beings that were seen there. That very mechanical, weird one with the tubes and the helmet and the box. I think the box was attached to that one. I don't think they were like these friendly things. I think they were kind of scary, eerie, I don't know, not necessarily nice. But then there were humanoid beings said to be there too. And it was almost like when I read the documents from back then and the reports from back then, it was almost like we were or the humans were just in their way and they were trying to do whatever they were doing um, with the, you know, there was like some conflict going on between those two species and we were in the way. So, um, yeah. And okay. one, yeah, that was the one that was the scariest night on the property. My sister and I were out there. I think it might have been the boys' mother's birthday or something. All the adults were in the front room. They were playing games. Um, we were all the, the three boys and my sister and I were all hanging out as kids do and being kids. And the power goes out in the house. So you know how that goes. Oh, get candles, flash, right. whatever. And then, Tell spooky stories. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden this bright like the sunlight through the window comes on right no power in the house bright light window everybody's freaked out and that's when that disembodied electrical voice sent that warning wow. you know we have allowed you to remain your friends will be um, warned to be quiet concerning us blah, blah, blah. and it was terrifying uh, and that was the night 
after I got back to our house in Inglewood that, you know, I had my first, I was like paralyzed. I couldn't speak. And um, somebody also came up to me after the conference and said, I wonder if some electro, you know, migraine headaches have to do with the neuro connections in the brain and all that, because I couldn't even talk. My mom and sister are like, Katie, what did you eat? What did you eat? And on the floor, I'm trying to say peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I couldn't get any words out. Mm -hmm. I mean, it lasted maybe five, 10 minutes. And I finally was able to get up and get to bed. And then the, and anybody who suffers migraine headaches, they know how that goes with the bad tunnel vision and the whole nine yes. yards. And then after that night, it was like they were chronic for me uh, for years oh. and into biofeedback training, which finally got rid of them. But um, yeah, really interesting things out there for sure. Okay, I have okay. about 15, 15 questions now. Um, <laughs> okay, that incident when you were paralyzed, was that in the 70s? Yes. That would have been okay. 1977 when that happened. Oh, bingo. Okay. Oh, sorry. Um, you solved okay. it. I, I did, actually. <laughs> um, I'm done. Close the computer. Um, <laughs> I personally, because I work in the media, so I can say this. I work in the media for four more weeks. <laughs> Hire me. No. Um, we are pre-programmed and controlled and manipulated to fit a narrative that is displaced through the media. 1977, here we go, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm -hmm. Perhaps that film was made to start putting that information out there to the general public. Um, because you said that's when the um, all the sightings were peaking were then and like, oh, look, here comes Close Encounters. That was one thought. Um, how close are you to the military base in Denver? The ranch, I guess. Um, the ranch at the time, because where the property line went, about 20 minutes. Okay, so that's not far, really. Yeah, not, not um, really. Did they have deep underground, the dumps, the military bases? And how far are you from the Denver airport? Um, well, back at the time, we didn't have the DIA. And the uh -huh. um, we had Stapleton. Um, okay. and, and I know in the reports that I have, there's actually, you know, where the, the sheriff, George Yarnell, and um, Bill Wall, um, had communications with Stapleton and their radar, and they were picking up anomalies on radar from Stapleton. So that gave me another good idea. See, this is why we do these things. So we okay. could talk, like, I have to FOIA. I don't know if they keep FOIAs for that, but I should look. Anyway. Just got, yeah, just uh, definitely give pumps. it a whirl. <laughs> okay. Um, Denver. I was going to say, but now it's about uh, 40, 50 minutes to DIA. Okay. It had, I don't know if it's still there. I heard it was taken down. They had the most bizarre mural there. With the aliens and oh, the gargoyles, right. what, what the hell was going on? I mean, were they trying to tell us something? <laughs> In our that... big horse with the red eyes. Yes. Oh. Yes. What's going on there? What's up with that? I just got goosebumps. I, I don't know. It's uh, you know, the Freemasons, the Illuminati. There's a lot of rumors. We actually had a great guest speaker that that gave a great presentation on there, and of course, womp womp womp. It's not everything, you know. Who knows? Who knows? My husband actually worked out there at United for a while and got to see those the old baggage system down there and all that. So, you know, I don't know, but that's a good point because out there in Elbert County, that's all still very rural. And you hear theories of these tunnels that go over to DIA. So maybe they were making the tunnels over. Mm -hmm. That's a good theory. Because maybe making tunnels from NORAD over to where the future DIA would be. I don't know. Those are good good theories and it's so funny you bring up close encounters of the third kind because it wasn't <laughs> even a month ago um that i was thinking about that because i remember seeing well not only close encounters of the third kind in star wars i'm giving away my age but also star wars the first star wars and that was in 1977 my dad was living in oklahoma at the time and that was a huge deal but it's so funny when i watch close encounters because to me it seemed like a documentary film like it didn't seem like a sci-fi fl film to me it was like the life i was right. leading right and um, it was still like just recently i was like oh i bet not everybody thought it was a documentary <laughs> <laughs> uh, we saw those in film history okay. oh. oh so <laughs> that's how we saw them um oh shoot what was the other one um the humming that would be the the tubes going underground because um was it James Keenan that we had on? He was talking about the mining at Skinwalker. And yeah, James was talking James. about mining at Skinwalker, right? Okay, because there there are the. Um, or the I think he might have been talking about it at. Uh, he might have been talking at Blind Frog. One of the two. Yeah. I thought it was Skinwalker because I, I was asking. Like the big machines that like dig. Yes. Under, like, 
because yeah. the same thing is going on at the superstitions out in Arizona with all the lava tubes and all that kind of stuff. So there's all that going on out there. Um, Hollow Earth. Yeah, that's really interesting too. <laughs> I have other really good friends, mm -hmm. Seth and Anniversary, and they were purchasing land out in Elbert County in the same small town. I don't want to give away this town specifically. There's a lot of small towns in Elbert County. They're all still very rural because I just don't want, but it is Elbert County. Right. Anyway. Um, Gee, but, what's the latitude? I'll tell you in a minute. I'll show you a picture. Victoria will try to get the exact coordinates from you. You can, If you're a good, a good enough sleuth, you probably screenshot it and you can find it. And I'll send it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. For Victoria, we had we had to put the map up, remember? Yeah, I, I did that yeah. just for Victoria. Because I listened Thank you. To um, so, Walker in the ranch there... Um, it, which is on the bottom pin. It's so funny. So you see the one that says close encounters. I thought I took that out. And then there's a pin at the top of the other one, which goes up to devil's tower and it creates this cross. And on the other end of skinwalker is another ranch in Pennsylvania called Ohio pile, Pennsylvania. And it creates this cross. And if you take it clear down, it actually goes over to Roswell. Um, but that close encounters one right in the center, dead center of the cross are the actual coordinates that's in the movie. So it's funny. You oh, bring really? it. Wow. Yeah, because they're wrong in the movie. They're supposed to be of Devil's Tower, but they're actually that location. But oh. there's the ranch. So they fall between the 39th and the 40th. Yeah. That's 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 part of my yeah. theory. Okay, so let me ask you this question. <laughs> Which came first, the shadow people or the ETs? And the shadow people, did you see them in the closet and were they wearing a hat by any chance? I know it sounds weird, but I have a theory. I know. So. No hat. <laughs> no hat, okay. No hat. With really good question the shadow people before or after the ranch yeah it was so close to around the same time um and i know that because my sister like i said she's six years older than i am and when the boys came to live with us um i you know what i think they came before the ranch because we were the separately and she she stayed with me. I was too terrified to sleep alone. We moved the bed to the side. Closet had to be closed. I mean, the whole thing. It was it was really unnerving. Um, so so I think yeah. actually before the ranch. Now that you bring it up, I've never really thought about it that hard because when the boys came to live with us, we, we shared a room at that time. Yeah. So what what if they were like the scouting ants? You know, they're coming down first, and then they bring the what'd you call them? The white fluffies. And white, the, fuzzies. white fuzzies, <laughs> yes, and and the ETs, and they all came along after they were after you were scouted, basically, I guess. Yeah, I I don't know, mm -hmm. and and the funny thing about the white fuzzies is that's what my mom and the adults called the Sasquatch or Bigfoot to me when I was a little, because I'm nine, ten, oh, eleven years old, and. And in the late 70s, there was a real popular book that was used in schools a lot called TA for Tots. And they talked a lot about warm fuzzies and cold pricklies. It was all about dealing with your feelings and all that. And so we would read that a lot. And I think that's why my mom called them warm fuzz or white fuzzies, you know, mm -hmm. to not terrify me so much. Yeah. Take the well, scare out of them. Yeah, to take the scare out of them. They're just, yeah, they're, yeah, they're just white fuzzies. Um, I'm like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, getting to some of our viewer comments and questions, Lynn Haynes has a, a, a similar comment here. She says, I wonder what came first, the odd alien cryptid activity or the military activities leading to odd going-ons are alien cryptids? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. Which came first? Excellent. Excellent question. And my belief is that the cattle mutilation started that brought the attention of the military and NORAD. And I, it's my feeling that along with the sheriff, and of course, that's where Linda Moulton Howe, she kind of got her start. She was a news reporter out in Colorado at the time. Right. And in fact, another strange coincidence, she, because we lived off Arapahoe Road, and she actually lived off Arapahoe Road too, down by Southland. So she, we were practically neighbors back in the day, and she's out there researching <laughs> all this stuff, and I'm out there having experiences. So one of these days, I, I would love to have a talk with her. Um, but I believe that um, the mutilations and the strange occurrences came first. In fact, in the briefing document I have about the history of the property um, that our friends bought, it had sat vacant for seven to 10 years. They're not sure how long it sat, sat vacant, but in that small community, there were rumors about that property of lights and shifts flying off that property for years before. And in fact, there was even a rumor, there was a concrete slab there, and there was supposedly a, like a house or a structure that had just vanished 
and that slab was there and then there was a pickup truck on the property with the key still in the ignition it was like whoever lived there before left the property in a big awful hurry yeah you know? wow so, that's definitely strange yeah so and going back to the history of the county even there's really interesting stories there was um bank robbers that were captured and they were shackled and they like took them out of the back of the paddy wagon or whatever and took them to the woods and hung them still with their shackles on in the woods with that that backs to where the ranch house was so that's kind of oh, creepy. Well. yeah oh, for sure yeah and so there's going back to the uh cattle mutilations uh ain ethne asks why would the military do this in the middle of the night when they could just take sample cattle for testing that was my question to my son just this morning because we were talking really? on the way. <laughs> we were talking. He's like, I don't, I don't think there's anything to those mutilations. And I said, I, you know, I think a lot of them probably are explainable because there's a phenomenon, you know, when cattle pass and they get the gas and they, the, their cavities explode. I've heard that. And it I'm happens, like, yeah. I'm not an expert on this phenomenon, but I asked that same question. Like, it, why wouldn't they just knock on a rancher's door? They end up paying them money anyway for their loss. They write it off on the tax or whatever. Um, but maybe they don't want people to know they're out there testing, I guess would be my answer to that. Because if the military goes and knocks on the rancher's door and say, I would like to purchase one of your cattle for testing, then they're no, then maybe they know they're up to something and the word is going to get out that, hey, why are they testing our grass or our water or whatever? And they didn't want that information out there. You know, yeah, interesting. Yeah, good point. That would make sense to me. So, I just I just scrolled past it. Sorry about that. Um, where was it? Somebody had another question in here. I was trying to bring it up. Oh well. Oh, okay. oh here we go. Here we go. Um, okay, it's about Montana. Uh, Na asked question. What do you know about UFO activity in Montana? I heard there was the weird cattle related phenomena in Montana too. Yeah, absolutely. In that choppers and the choppers I was talking about, um, there at the time during the height of this, it was over several states. Now Colorado got hit the hardest for whatever reading, reason, maybe NORAD, who knows what. But we're talking Montana, Wyoming, New Mexico, Kansas. I mean, there were several states that, uh, and it's still going on to this day. That's another question. People ask like, why are you still investigating this for over forty years later? Blah blah. blah. Well, number one, it's personal to me. <laughs> so I'm like, right. I've been on this mission because I'm like, I want answers. It's affected my life and several other people's lives. But number two, we don't have all the answers yet. And and if we keep digging and digging, maybe we'll get some of these answers. Like, And I think the reason we they're not just coming out and saying, yeah, we were out there doing these experiments or whatever. The reason they're not coming forward with this is probably lawsuits. Right. I would think. Yeah. I, I mean, I well, I, and and I also think some of it has to do with you know, if if they start admitting, yes, we did that, we did this other thing over here, and in a lot of cases, there they would be admitting to, yeah, we lied back then too, and a lot of these organizations don't want to be caught in a lie. True. Well, what if they're not? They want to doing... admit they don't know what's going on. They yeah. want to have answers to everything. What if they're not actually doing cattle mutilations, but they're trying to cover their tracks because say they're putting some sort of something or another on the grass or in the water, or like you said, harmonics that are really messing with the animals and like, whoops, we killed another cow. We better go cut its liver out. So no one will know. Right. Could that be, could that be part of it? Or they're actually, do you think they're actually experimenting on them? I, I have no idea. I mean, you get into the why. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, they've been known to cover their tracks in unusual ways before. Then again, would they go through? Because I've even gone so far as to think, and it's even, even the, the, the family at the time initially thought they were trying to be chased off the land. So maybe, oh, I just thought of this. See, this is great. Maybe <laughs> if, they're if they're digging tunnels underground, uh-huh. right? And they don't want anybody to know. It would be easier if the land was vacant. Yes. But well, would they go through all the trouble of, banging noises and disembodied boxes and, you know, scaring the, you know, the tar out of people and, you know, dressing up in Sasquatch suits and putting big burn marks on the ground. And I mean, would they go through all of that trouble? I kind of don't think they would. It's the government. Sure they would. You said the, um, <laughs> and I mean that in a loving way. 
Um, you said that uh, the UFOs were disappearing into the ground, or the lights and the boxes were going into the ground. The sheriff, the sheriff actually, and a posse sheriff witnessed one of these. Well, it was just Bill Wall. Mm -hmm. He sees one of these boxes where he knows there's no road, there's no cars, and he didn't want to approach it alone. He gets a posse sheriff, goes up. They see this thing disappear. It seemed to disappear into the ground along with the tree. Which I mean, when I first read this years ago, I was like, okay, that sound, but. That's the same thing that happened to us when we were driving in the pickup truck in in the back of their property. It was like, oh, it's one of these boxes because the the gentleman had and the oldest son had encountered this box before and approached it and actually were warned that that box is quite lethal to not approach the box because it could just take a Sasquatch down or a person down and that they're lethal. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah. So it wasn't wit just witnessed by one person. And that was what was so fascinating to me in Laughlin because here I am showing up at Laughlin thinking like these boxes were long gone. I haven't heard about them in all these years. And then Trey's there and talks about them. And then, and then right. I get, apparently they had an encounter with one at Skinwalker recently. And I'm like, wait a minute, the boxes are back? <laughs> the boxes are back. There's a title for a new film. Maybe oh, they never really disappeared. Maybe they just move around. Could be. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. I don't know. It's the strangest thing. So I'm really torn. I, I don't know what would, the... I'm sorry. No, that would make sense if they're underground, you know, like um, like there's tunnels underground. I work in a very, very cold climate and it's 97, 98, 99 here. And I walk outside and I still have my coat on. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I need to take this off. The, mm -hmm. the white fuzzies could be like people working underground um, who are really cold, you know, and you walk up and it takes a while to warm up. Um, because you know right. dark dark climates you know they're cold <laughs> the other funny thing that happened and this was kind of weird just a weird random thing i've never talked about this before so first time here on edge of the rabbit hole um, hey, here we go <laughs> exclusive in the report, there was a report of this large bird it was like a phoenix right so that was reported so this crypto creature but when my son and my daughter and i went exploring around out there you know driving through all the the side roads and that this weird creature scurries across the road i mm. pulled the jeep over right away we jump out you know and where the the road kind of goes down it's all dirt roads i i i kid you not it looked like a platypus like it had this duck beak nose and platypus legs and we went home right away and we we're searching the internet searching for all the colorado animals nothing i couldn't find anything like it out oh, there wow. so then that makes me think of like stranger things maybe they're doing yeah. some weird making some weird who knows what but i'm like gosh i wonder if anybody out there encounters any weird crypto kind of creatures out there because i don't know what the heck that was i've never seen anything like it before or since i don't and we couldn't find it it's like yeah, there's certainly locations that do animal testing so you know is it possible out there you know it's scary to think of but why not yeah it's kind especially, of like yeah especially if it's rural and kind of isolated and yeah right so, um paranormal aspect we haven't even touched on yeah. that <laughs> Yeah, because you have your your you have your background with the with the paranormal. So I wanted to ask you, you know, with your paranormal background, and then now you've kind of, you know, rolled into this here over the last several years. How has your your background investigating the paranormal helped you in researching this phenomenon? Well, it's helped a lot, actually, and it's really interesting, especially being in such a scientific organization that is, which is MUFON. Um, it's a very divided. Um, group and we have those who believe that those two worlds are connected and those that think they're separate i happen to be on the camp that that very much thinks they're connected just because of my personal experiences thank you <laughs> i can't i can't separate it um and even with the richard Doty's and the disinformation and the bob bigelow's and that whole scientific research side i and it, and it makes me question like wow well maybe none of this is out there and it's all ours right but at the same time, I can't, I can't make that leap because I've experienced and I thankfully journaled about it. So anybody out there, please journal any experiences you have because you think your memory is really good and then you forget whole pieces. But right. in 2013, I had a basketball sized blue orb in the corner of my bedroom. And I remember the, the blue orb very, very clearly. I mean, I, I'm like, what the heck in the heck is this thing? I was wide awake. My husband was there. He witnessed it. 
Um, but what I forgot about and what I had journaled about, what woke me up in the first place, because I didn't see that I was asleep, but what, what woke me up is my kids had a bucket of Legos in the corner of my room and the Lego bucket fell over and that startled us and woke us up. And then the, the, also the um, auto light from the people that live behind us went on and off twice. And I had, I had forgotten about those things and that's what woke me up and I saw that basketball size orb in my bedroom. What is that? I don't know what that was, if it's connected to ET, if it's not connected to ET, I don't know what that was, but I certainly experienced it and, you know, I don't know. That's like in Close Encounters when they were flying by and all the toys started lighting up because of all the, I guess the electrical pulses and the energy that was right. flying over him. Um, yeah. Everything was triggered, so, and I saw James Keenan in the chat. <laughs> Is James down there? I saw, I, his name. I saw his name roll by real quick. <laughs> Okay. Oh, yeah. Yep. There he is. There's James. Yeah. <laughs> right. James is We're going to have him back on in a couple of weeks. Oh, awesome. good. Yeah. And that's just the cool thing about all this. Like I said, there's so many seg. I mean, there's the sounds and the underground and the mutilations and the UFO lights and the orange orbs and the helicopters and the paranormal and the Sasquatch and all of it's all in that area. And then we get into the magnetic. So when I prepared for Laughlin, I was looking at, you know, what the magnetic um, geological signatures were for these hot spots, the, the Blind Frog Ranch and the Skinwalker Ranch and the Elbert County Ranch and the um, Ohio Pile, and they all ping the charts. There, it's as light as light pink as you can get, so they're all very highly magnetic. That mm -hmm. must play a role, right, in it as well, I'm thinking. And then um, when you had Trey on, you were talking about radon, so I, you know, I'm like, oh, they're talking about radon. I've never looked at that. And I pulled that up right away. And same thing. Yeah, so there's you, the radon map. Yep. Yeah. Colorado's heavy radon. And that little yes. corner there in Utah is where Skinwalker is. So that is. And then Ohio yep. Pile is also high radon. Um, so maybe that's a good theory as well. I don't know. And then there's the mag the magnetic chart. So that oh. really light pink. Um, they all have that. So you got to zoom in on Google Google Earth and Google Maps and put a pin in all these locations and they're got the lightest shade of pink. Um, so they're all, it's all very fascinating. Someday somebody out there is going to have the answers to all of it. I do think it's solvable. I think we'll get to the bottom of at least hopefully someday what the military was doing out there. And I think your guest had a really good question. I think the phenomenon first, and then they were out there trying to figure out what's going on. And then maybe, and actually Richard Doty said that, like, you know, maybe they conducted some of these things. So we're looking over here, why they're doing something over here, like maybe putting a tunnel in underground. Yeah. yeah could very the thing well be. And I do believe, and I do agree with you that I believe all of this phenomenon is connected. It's, it's not one or the other. It's not black and white. All mm -hmm. these things are connected. Go ahead, Victoria. I had a feeling you were going to say that. Of course. Of course. <laughs> it's all connected. Like it's all connected. The, connected universe. I was going to say that too. <laughs> www.connecteduniverse.com anyway um the thing i was trying to ask trey but i couldn't remember and he answered me later and i have now forgotten again but at skinwalker there is a mineral there that starts the g and it's only found there um Gilsonite. okay that Gilsonite, one. yeah the ranch where you lived and also out in the meadow if those were like you know individually privately owned um areas of land, perhaps there wasn't soil testing or no minerals testing done there. So maybe that, that big word there, um, exists at those places too. That is my question too. And that's on the top of my list to actually get out there. That's why I was so happy when this person contacted me because they're building out there. So I'm like, yay, I can get out there because the, the property where the house and the ranch was is privately owned and is gated. And I haven't been able to, you know, convince them to let me get on there and do the testing I would like to do. But at the very least, I, we can get out there and park on the side of the road if I have to and just see you know, what <laughs> it feels like out there. And certainly I could pull off to the side of the road and get some soil testing. You know, mm -hmm. I know that there's quartz and limestone and all these things they talk about in the paranormal world that, that you know, conducts. Interestingly enough, that there's not a lot of water out there. Um, you know, not there even underground? Small, there was a small little pond on the property but no, not that I know of anyway. So I have a more work to do. I'm just my lone wolf here kind of trying to take this on. So um, I do have a lot of, of work to do and more questions to answer because those are all really good questions. And I'll come help yeah, you. It's, it's, 
Yeah. Certainly oh, yeah. fascinating work. Yeah, there you go. Get Victoria out there. Yeah, so we're about five minutes. <laughs> we're about five minutes left in the show. A couple of more questions here uh, from our viewers. Robert Hanna asks, what is Katie's thoughts on the underground Dulce base in New Mexico? I find it fascinating. You know, I, I'm one of those people. I like 50-50 could be. Could, I, don't, I don't know. I just find it fascinating. I like reading about it. And heck, why not? You know, there's, you know, we have the uh, a gentleman here. His name is Ken St. John. He's the chief operation officer for MUFON. And he does this wonderful presentation about S4 which is you know right there with area 51 and and they talk about you know having aliens there um but again then i question is that disinformation or is it you know it keeps me guessing all the time um but i don't think so i think i think it's a case of let me share with you what i can without getting in trouble that's what i think a lot of these people are doing at this point in the game i think it's the slow drip kind of like get out what we can little by little you know deal just yeah, like you I, said kind of preparing all these years it started way back mm -hmm. and through media and through different you know pop culture we're kind of right. getting prepared for this so we should see what the next movies are coming out next year hopefully they're not terrifying <laughs> i like the whole conjuring series did you see that uh, I guess oh, oh yeah <laughs> no that, that's fast well, yeah, and that was part of the Shadow Dimension docuseries, yeah. but we won't get into that. That's right. next week. That's next week. Um, this is from Ain again. Uh, here in Washington, we had cattle mutilations, and someone uh, was also mutilating cats. That's sad. It's horrible. Oh. Have you heard of other animals in other states getting the same type of mutilations? Yes. Unfortunately, yes. Um, sheep, like I mentioned, the dogs, and that's just horrifying. And yeah. when it comes to cats and dogs and that, my mind kind of goes to the more dark arts and the satanic yeah. rituals and things like that. I hope that's not the case, but, you know, who knows? That does, yeah. I mean, as much as we don't like to think that goes on, it goes on. And Ain also just uh, contributed a $5 oh. super chat. So thank you very much for that. Absolutely appreciate it. So, Katie, what do you have next coming up? I know you're talking about a uh, conference that you're going to be speaking at here. Uh, well, I'm not speaking. I'm doing the FI training at the MUFON. Oh, okay, doing training. Okay. August 27th through 29th. I'm leaving tomorrow morning for Las Vegas. And then I will be speaking at the International UFO Conference, which it just went online. So that is going to be an online event. That's September 8th through the 12th. And so I will be presenting my whole Elbert County presentation there at the UFO Congress. And then I'll also be in Oregon at the McMinnons UFO Fest in McMinnville, Oregon, September 24th through the 25th. And I'll be speaking Friday night. So that should be a lot of fun out there in Oregon. Never been to Oregon. So I'm looking forward to that. Sounds fun. Fantastic. <laughs> and, and you have some, uh, you have books as well, correct? I do. Letters of Love and Light, Four Decades of UFO Experiences and Encounters, shared with Dr. Leo Sprinkle. And in a nutshell, when I went to investigate all the Elbert County phenomenon, I got lost in 72 boxes of people from all around the world that had written to Dr. Sprinkle, who that'll make you humble really fast. This guy's a pioneer. And all these things that I thought were new and exciting, like um, frequency and vibration. They were talking about that in the 60s. And I was like, oh, dang. Anyway, but so letters from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. And it's fast, it was fascinating to read and kind of compare notes. You know, so I, I put it in a book. And the chapter goes into like dreams or memories, hypnosis, uh, craft and descriptions, you know, um, from children, letters from children. It's it's. It was really interesting to read through all those letters. It took me three years to put that together. So oh, that's, wow. that's fascinating. And I'm working on the Elbert County book now. Next. Right. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a fascinating book. But uh, yeah, you can. We have a link to Katie's book down in the description of this show for those that are watching this live on YouTube. For those listening later on on the podcasts or the syndicated shows on uh, KGRA or KPNL, uh, they can just find that at Amazon, correct? Yes. Absolutely. Just type my name or letters in love of love and light and you'll find it. And you can find it on my website, a link to it. It's katiegraboski.com. There you go. Katie, katiegraboski.com. Be sure to check that out. And also, uh, we should give MUFON a plug here as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. I hope to see you all in Las Vegas. Uh, headed out. Like I said, I'll be flying out there tomorrow. Come join us this weekend. 
it's going to be a great time. So, yeah, enjoy MUFON. We need fields investigators. There's a lot of good people in MUFON. MUFON has got not a fair shake all the time. I know there's some naysayers out there, but I've never had a bad experience, and we just have great people there. So, yeah, I'd like to see you out there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Katie, thank you so much for joining us this evening. We'll definitely have to have you back sometime because this was just a fascinating conversation. Had a great yeah, time talking with you again. Thank you so much for having me, Victoria and Mike. And Victoria, I'm going to coming out to Colorado. You're going to do some research with me. All right. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't mind getting dirty. Come on. All right. <laughs> there you go. All right. Have a fantastic evening, Katie. We'll talk thank to you, you again too. soon. All, all right. right. Bye -bye. Night. Bye -bye.